And if you'll take your copy of God's Word and join me in Hebrews chapter 11, as we have been considering heroes of the faith, we've been challenging ourselves to be a people of faith, to be a people who understand what faith is, and to be a people who are living out faith each and every day of our lives. Pastor Jamie and I have been walking us through Hebrews 11 and you remember, Pastor Jamie has been very clear to articulate exactly what faith is. When we talk about faith, faith is, is really kind of twofold. It's, it's trusting and obeying. Faith is, is placing all of our trust, all of our hope, all of our confidence in God Almighty. But then that faith leading us, that trust leading us to the point where then we act out in obedience. When we talk about faith, we're talking about trusting and obeying trust and obedience. You know, when you think about faith, really all of our lives, in all of our lives, faith is central. Even, even for people who don't place faith in what faith really matters, and true faith, and biblical faith in Christ, and in God, and Him alone, faith still is very key to all of life. You think about whenever you're sick, you go, you go to a doctor that you don't know whose name you probably can't pronounce, whose degrees hanging on the wall you've never verified. You go into that doctor's office and, and she, she gives you ultimately a prescription, right, that you can't read. You take that then prescription into, into a, a pharmaceutical, into a pharmacy, and, and, you, and you see a pharmacist that, that you've never met before. You hand a little slip of paper over, and, and ultimately what they do is they, they hand back to you a, a, a chemical compound that you don't understand. You then take that chemical compound, and you go back to your home, and you begin to take that chemical compound exactly the way it's prescribed on the bottle. All in trusting, sincere faith. Faith is key to so much of our life. But hear me, faith, it, faith when we talk about our, our faith in God, it, it is very similar to, to, to that concept. Now hear me, there's so much more to faith in God, but, but there's a reality even in, in that understanding of how faith is key to all of life, how it fits in our faith with, with the Lord. Though, though we may walk through trials, though may, we may experience even sickness itself, Right, But other trials, though we might walk through trials and the outcome often is unseen, we give him everything. And then we trust him. We trust him to, to pour out his blessings upon us for his glory. True biblical faith is just saying, God, here's my life. Here's my all. Here's all that I've got. Lord, I give it to you. And, and now I'm going to walk in obedience as you make your name great in and through my life. Minds begin to change. When we think about true biblical faith, we stop praying for the Lord to bless us. And we pray more for God to use us as a blessing. Yes, I, I pray that God's blessings would be rich in your life. I pray that God's blessings would be rich in the life of First Baptist New Orleans. But the reason why I pray for God's blessings to be bestowed upon us is so that 
through faith, we can begin to live our life as a blessing to all other people. Come to Hebrews chapter 11, and you see them some very similar. Hebrews 11, we're going to pick up in verse 17. Hebrews 11, begin reading in verse 17. We'll just go down through verse 22 this morning. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, Your seed will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff in old age. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning, you would reveal to us what true, biblical, saving faith really looks like. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our lives, that, Lord, we as your people would be characterized by radical faith. Lord, indeed, we would give you our all. We would surrender ourselves and everything about us to you and then trust you to pour out your blessing as you see fit to make your name great and not our own. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Two truths, really, that we see in this passage on what true biblical faith looks like. The first one is that we, as God's people, are called to have faith, hear me, have faith in the midst of testing. As believers in God, we, as God's people, are called to be a people who, who, are, who are practicing, who are portraying, who are exhibiting faith even in the midst of any and every trial. Where do we see it? Thank you for asking. Go back to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your seed will be called through Isaac. Can you imagine? Can you possibly imagine the test of faith that Abraham was experiencing? Look, I, I'm a father of currently five children. Uh, we're fostering. And so uh, we've got five kids in the home, right? I, I cannot fathom, I cannot imagine what kind of test of faith Abraham was experiencing here. We've already kind of talked about Abraham and Sarah, right? They were much older in age when God finally blessed them, opened up her womb, and gave them this son. This is the one to whom Abraham was promised that he would make Abraham a father of many nations, God said, I'm going to give you a son, and through that son, I'm going to make you just the father of many, many people. So how in the world, how in the world could Abraham then sacrifice Isaac when God had declared that Isaac was the child of promise? Can I just be honest with you? If it were me, I, I would have been fighting mad 
I, I would have been questioning at least. God, what in the world? Are you serious? You cannot be serious. You, this is crazy. God, what do you expect of me? What do you mean? This is ludicrous. God, are you nuts? How, how in the world is this even possible? Abraham had every right to question and honestly, to resist God. But he didn't. Because in the end, he knew that he actually had no right. You see, Abraham was confident. Abraham was confident. He was confident that in the God of providence, that he was so strong that he concluded that God would raise Isaac up from the dead if that's what it took. You see the story in Genesis 22. You can keep your hand there in Hebrews 11. And, and, and just, just for context, to make sure that we, we really remember the story, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Just listen quickly. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here am I, Abraham answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So without questioning, without fighting, without resisting, the scriptures tell us that Abraham immediately got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took, his, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham, listen to verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we will come back to you. Come back to Hebrews chapter 11. And just listen to verse 19 again. He, speaking of Abraham, considered God to be able to even raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back from the dead, figuratively speaking. Warren Wiersbe, I try to think of a way to summarize it. You know, sometimes you just see what someone else writes and like that, that's it. Warren Wiersbe summarized verse 19. Listen to just what he says. He says, Abraham's faith ascended to the level of a resurrection, and God restored Isaac to him as one snatched unexpectedly from the dead. Say, what's going on here? Listen, church, Abraham, he chose to believe that God's promise could not fail. He had so much faith that when God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations through Isaac. He had so much faith in the providence, in, in the providence of God. He knew, he was confident that God's promise, not, not simply would not, but could not fail, even if it meant that I have to kill my son and watch God raise him from the dead. Abraham chose to believe God. Now, we know the rest of the story, right? The moment comes where he binds Isaac, places him on the altar, and is just about to sacrifice him, and at that moment, God provides a ram. But, but, but the, the, the focus there obviously is God's providence. But, 
Abraham had so much faith in the providence of God, he was willing to go to extremes in obedience. You and I can learn from Abraham's example. We can trust God. Hear me. We can trust God with what we value most. We can trust God and give him everything. So the question I have for you this morning, First Baptist New Orleans, can you do that? Are you doing that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give him your life? Are you willing to give him your all? Are you willing to give him all that seems dear, near and dear and precious to you? Are you willing to give to him back the very things that he has blessed you with? Are you willing to give God everything? Are you willing to lay everything aside and say, God, this is yours. Use it for your glory. That's exactly what Abraham did. And then the God of providence showed up. We can learn from the faith of Abraham. Because Abraham placed his faith in a providential God. You see, as God's people, we are called to have faith in the midst of testing. But there's a second part of this passage here. Sometimes it's actually one that's overlooked because there's three stories that are kind of all lumped together. But as God's people, we are called to be a people who have faith in the midst of testing. But then we're also called to be a people who have faith in the midst of unseen blessing. You and I, as God's people, we're called to continue to exhibit, to portray, to, re to reveal, to show faith in an unseen blessing. Pick up in verse 20. In, well, first off, in these, in these next three verses, you have to understand that what the author of Hebrews does here is, is he references three stories where he really does not go into any kind of detail. Why? Because the concern is actually not in the details of the story. As the author of Hebrews is, is showing us here, really what, what he's trying to bring out in this passage is that, is that how each person exemplified faith in an incredible way. So what's going on here? Pick up verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things to come. As stated, Isaac was the promised son of Abraham, right? We just talked about Abraham. Now we're moving to a son, the son that he almost killed. It was through Isaac that God fulfilled his promise to give Abraham many descendants. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. God chose the younger son, Jacob, to be the one through whom he would continue to fill the promise of bringing about a great nation to Abraham. He chose the younger son. Yet in this verse, here in verse 20, Isaac's faith is commended in blessing both Jacob and Esau whenever he spoke of their future. Even though their future at the very moment seemed unclear and unseen, we see that Isaac was faithful. Go to verse 21, and then we're going to summarize these together. Go to verse 21, you see that, that here, speaking of Jacob, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. Jacob, later known as Israel, right? That's the one who would become Israel. When he was old and dying in a foreign land, had faith in God's promise that ultimately Abraham's descendants would be numerous and that Israel become a great nation. Read Genesis chapter 48. 
for the story of back up in Isaac, read Genesis 27. But just like Isaac, Jacob's faith led him to extend, hear me, the unseen blessings to the sons of Joseph. What is the author of Hebrews trying to show us here? What he's doing is he's showing us that, that both Isaac and Jacob showed faith in recognizing that God intended to give the greater blessing to the younger son. Now, you, gotta, you can't check past that because they lived in a society where, where the blessing always flowed to the oldest son. The, the blessing and the, and the, and the, and the, and the most and, and everything, the, the possessions went to, to and through the oldest son. It was, it was the, it was, he was the apparent heir to carry on the name and the legacy of the generation before him. This was, a, this was a people who always blessed more so the older son. Yet time and time again, what God is doing is he's coming in and he's breaking up the social norms. He's choosing the younger son. He's turning the social system upside down. And what he's doing is he's saying, look, that sounds good, but your plans are not my plans. Your ways are not my ways. I've got a plan. Watch what I am going to do. And each time, these faithful men of God don't buck him. And they faithfully obey. Verse 22, we pick up with Joseph. It says, by faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. Joseph showed his faith by giving directions concerning his future burial after the exodus. You can read this story in Genesis chapter 50. You see, believing in a future exodus of God's people from Egypt, it involved incredible faith. Because even though Joseph himself wasn't going to experience it, he knew that it was going to happen because it had been revealed to him by God. And so he felt certain, look, if I'm going to die here and, and y'all are going to bury me, so when you go to the promised land, will you just dig up my bones and take them with you? Because I know, there's no doubt in my mind, that the promise of God is going to be fulfilled, even if I don't see it in this life. As different as these three men are from one another, Again, what the author of Hebrews here is doing is he's giving us a picture, a glimpse of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Every time each one of these men modeled true biblical faith. Each one acted in faith because they were confident in the God who promises to make his name great in and through the lives of his people. They were willing to step out in faith because they were certain that when God promises something, they were confident that when God promises something, they knew without a doubt, listen church, come in here real close, that when God promises something, it's going to happen. And so their confidence in the providential God who never breaks his promises, it led them to say, okay God, it's different from what I would do. It's different from what my society does. It's different from the norm. It's different from what we traditionally accept. God, here's my life. Do it. Take over. You do it. They modeled incredible, incredible biblical faith. You see, what their faith does then is that it encourages us 
It challenges us. It motivates us to trust in God, to place all of our hope and confidence in Him. Listen, regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it means for me personally, true biblical faith says, here's my life, Lord. Take it. Use, you, use it for your glory. We can learn from the example, not only of Abraham, of being faithful just to give his all, give his best back to God, but we learn from these men that we can trust God. Hear me. We can trust God even with an unseen future. We can trust God that in the end, he's going to work all things for his good, yet even in the life of his people, for the glory of his name. We can be confident that even though we don't know what tomorrow holds, even though we're uncertain of where life might lead us, even though we don't know what's going to happen, we can be confident, church. We can be confident that if we would just be faithful to give God our all, to give him our best, to give him our everything, and then just step out in faith and say, God, even though I can't see where you're leading me, even though I don't know where we're going, even though I don't know what's going to happen next, God, here's my life, here's my all, here's my best. Use it for your glory, and I'll let you lead the way. Learn from the example. Though you and I will continue to walk through trials, though you and I will continue to walk through tribulation, though you and I will continue to walk through and experience outcomes that are unforeseen, will you? Will you? Will you give him everything and will you trust him will you trust him to pour out his blessings as he sees fit so that his name is glorified and not our own you see faith what true biblical faith is it's trusting God and it's then living a life of obedience. That's what we see in the life of Abraham. That's what we see in the life of Isaac. That's what we see in the life of Jacob. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. That's what we see in the life of many people, many believers who've gone before us. Even though the future was unclear. Even though it seemed so uncertain to them in the immediate. Because their confidence was placed in a providential God who cannot break his promises. They said, here you go, God. Do it. And do it through me. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I, <clears throat> I come before you now just humbled by your grace. Lord, I thank you that, that you are a, a God 
who is certain and sure, and I myself, we here as your people and the world around us oftentimes seem so uncertain and sure. Lord, I give you praise knowing that, that because you are such an amazing, gracious, loving, merciful God, that the very things that you promised to us are certain to happen. That when you promise salvation to your people, that when you promise that death is broken, that when you promise that we will not experience death, that, Lord, what you mean, we, what, we, what we are so certain about is that, is that we will be in your presence for all eternity. Lord, that, that's mind-boggling. Lord, we know that even in this life right now, though we may experience trials, though we may walk through valleys of darkness, though we might walk through the valley of death, though we might experience pain, though, that we, though we might continue to see the ravages of, of evil and racism around us, Lord, that, that through all of this chaos, Lord, that we know that you are still sovereign and sitting on your throne. That you have a desire to use your people. Lord, that is mind-boggling. It's blowing our minds. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to be like your people. Faithful, faithful, just to obey and to give you our lives. Lord, to give you our all, to give you our best, to give you our possessions, to give you what the world might seem is, think, think is worthless. Lord, to give you everything back to you. Lord, to give you everything. Then we'll trust you, Lord, to pour out your blessings, to build your kingdom as you see fit. Lord, we'll trust you, even though future, the immediate future might seem unclear. We give you our lives. Lord, I pray that for us here at First Baptist New Orleans, that, Lord, even though it seems unclear, because we are certain of you, that we will continue to serve you, that we will continue to unite arms with our fellow believers, that, Lord, we will continue to fight injustice, that we will continue, most importantly, to speak the truth of the gospel from this neighborhood to the nations. Lord, help us to remain focused on you and your kingdom and your mission for our lives. Lord, I also pray if there's anyone here this morning who still seems unsure, who does not have the confidence that we have as believers. Lord, I pray, I know they've heard the truth of the gospel, that, Lord, you desire to have a relationship with them. Lord, you desire to offer them forgiveness. You desire to restore in their lives a right relationship with the God of the universe. That if they right now will trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Lord, you will speak to their life and you'll come in and you'll dwell with them. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning in this room or gathered with us online or maybe even watching and recording in the future, Lord, if there's any uncertainty in their life, that today would be the day, that this moment, right now, whenever they watch, this would be the moment that they place their faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Lord, do a work in our lives. Do a work in our lives so that we can be faithful just to respond to you in obedience and watch you continue to use our lives for your glory. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> our Savior and Lord.